And welcome back to another episode of Pods of Thunder. I'm Eric, he's Jeremy. We're back this time with Collateral. Um, we're going to dive into this, but first, of course... <laughs> got a bitch, a little bitch session. We got a bitch sesh. A little heavier on the bitch than the sesh. <laughs> Uh, Why does this feel so familiar? Eric? Oh, it feels way familiar because we've already fucking done this. So we recorded this episode uh, four or five days ago and brought it home. I was going to add some finishing uh, producer touches on it, add mm-hmm. some intro-outro, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd saved the file already. I import the intro music. The source file disappears. So I think, oh, no worries. I'll merely close and not save. When I reopen, however, I'm dis- I discover that there are 1,200 missing audio files. That's a lot of audio files. A lot files of audio files. That are missing. Yeah. Uh, what is the culprit in all this? Unknown. It, <laughs> so uh, so it, when I opened it up after closing without saving, it brought up an error message that said there are you know 1,200 missing audio files, meaning the system encountered a serious incident or something like it could be a bug a defect blah 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 and it had three radio buttons with different options and it said something to the effect of if you select one of the first two you may be able to recover with temporary audio files but i only bring it up because for a larger point who like whoever creates the error messages needs to take a course in like plain writing or something because like do Software developers understand what the fuck they're saying. It, it can never be like, oh, you know, something happened. You don't have the files. Do this. Like, just, I understand the box itself is small. Link to something that's like, explains in, cl- in clear language exactly what happens. I've never once on error messages and been like, oh, I understand exactly what's expected of me and exactly what's happened. I put this in the same breath as uh, legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah, exactly. You have you have to have the legal expert like that that is their job security exactly is that they have to explain all this to you in some layman's term where you're still at at the end of the day i I don't know what he said yeah it's it is it's a it's blatant job security language is is how i view it right no i agree i mean it's the re like nobody could it has always looked as a stupid decision if somebody were to defend themselves but it's and that's the main reason why because you can't just use logic you have to know the motion to file and it's all latin you know writ of habeas habeas corpus not a huge jimmy fallon fan especially when it came to saturday night live but he did have one good reoccurring character on there oh yeah he was the it guy do you remember yes yeah and where he was somebody was like hey i got this uh this failure move over and he's a complete dickwad about it and yeah that i mean how long ago was that like late 90s oh yeah and nothing's changed nothing's changed and it's a clear opportunity for some company to differentiate themselves like hey you know what our selling point is you actually know what the fuck we're talking about when we have an error message anyway the point is at least a frame of reference yeah the very minimum can we start there The, the point is we're angry and bitter so we're going to take that into our analysis of the movie Collateral. Uh, but first, Eric, I understand you saw a video of sorts. So, yeah, I, I'm starting to do a little bit more of, uh, I want to call it research of Tom Cruise, because these are things I've already seen in the past. But tell me if you're familiar with this one. And it's about it's about a nine-ish minute long video that was... <laughs> 
compiled by someone who got a two-year degree in video editing from Scientology. And essentially what it is, it's it's a steady shot. Well, no. First off, I should explain. The beginning of the video is uh, uh, set up where it's this horrible animation of like a planet spinning and with a horrible voiceover like, Scientology. <laughs> and I don't even remember what it says essentially, but... And the... There's a bed of music being played throughout the entire duration of the nine minutes. And it's like a cheap rip-off version of the Mission Impossible music. <laughs> it's it, it, You can tell just by simply listening, by focusing in on the music. They're like, this, this isn't the Mission Impossible music. This is very <laughs> eerily close. And Tom Cruise is in the video. He's like Hollywood royalty. You're telling me that Scientology couldn't get the rights to the Mission Impossible right. music to play as a bed throughout the duration of the video? Is it, is it similar to the Vanilla Ice Queen discrepancy <laughs> right. where, where right. Rob Van Winkle, there's an interview where he goes, well, no. and it's funny because uh, Rob Van Winkle, also known as Vanilla Ice, he gives a smile during this explanation where you can kind of tell he's like, I know I'm being a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> but he, so he goes, no, 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 there's no copyright because... Queen's song goes dun 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 da da dun dun, and mine goes dun 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 da da dun dun. And he kind of gives a smile just to say, like, look, I know, I know. <laughs> All of those, uh, our song sounds like your song, uh, battles, if you will. There was there was one where uh, someone claimed to have written the licks to "Stairway to Heaven" well before. Led Zeppelin, sure, uh, you know, produced the song. That was, I have no idea how that ended. I know it was a lengthy battle, though. But well, I wouldn't be surprised if most of the time, if I hear something like that, I'm probably going to default to be like, "Yeah, bullshit." You try to right. But Led Zeppelin has a storied history of stealing a bunch of uh, they really? things from blues musicians. Then I know that they've lost some of those battles. So, huh. yeah, I'd have to actually look it up again. But not, either way, so. Tom Cruise, it, the the bulk of the video, it's bookended by these horrible voiceover by Scientology. <laughs> and don't take medicine. <laughs> and it's and it's seriously Cruise just rambling. And and it's a like a it's a head on shot of like see him sitting down like a what you would uh, essentially think uh, a sixty minutes interview where it's you know just that cockeyed angle where you can tell that he's looking and talking to sure. someone. You never see who's asking the questions, if there, if there even is someone asking questions, because it's caught up in such a way where he's explaining something without giving any kind of real explanation of why it was prompted for him to talk about this in the do first they, place. Do they have audio of the question being Oh, hell asked? no. No, no, no. <laughs> because it's just, it's just him kind of vaguely explaining Scientology, but then... By the time you're like four, five, six minutes into this, you are so lost on what his track <laughs> is on as far as like what he's talking about, what he's explaining. And he's doing the in, in Tom Cruise fashion where he's saying something, he's just like hanging on you. <laughs> and he's just and, and like You haven't studied the history of psychology. He, right. It's not he's not angry right. in the in the uh, the interview with Matt Lauer. Um, he's just 
passionate about Scientology uh, with that kind of over-actory Tom Cruise that we're well right. aware, aware of. And just those fake laughs and those, like, just bursts of, like, you know, energy where you can tell it's just, like, it's... it's Put upon. It's formulated. It's it's very put upon. It's very just kind of um, pre, uh, you know... Premeditated. Premeditated. Like, everything is just, you can tell, is sort of... It's, it's trying to come off as, uh, as kind of... Top of you know what what's on the, what's Tom Cruise thinking about today? But it's clearly been focus grouped and yeah, and 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 edited in such a way where it was just like you have to think about your audience if because I have to imagine this is a, retru- a, a recruitment, recruiting tool, right? And it, if someone is just like eh, let me check out Scientology and watches that, they're like, well, that's not for me, <laughs> you know, like well, because you you'd have to go. I have not a single iota of what was trying to be said in in this it's, rambling of nine minutes is it it's kind of his version of uh, andy rooney on 60 minutes <laughs> why don't people get dressed up to fly anymore <laughs> my favorite uh my favorite norm uh impression of andy rooney was he was talking about oh andy rooney has uh, too many examples of things <laughs> and he was like uh, <laughs> There's too much cotton in medicine. Here's a bottle of uh, aspirin. About 13 pills. A lot of cotton. A lot of cotton. Here's something called Tylenol. Never heard of Tylenol. <laughs> that, was the other, that was also the other thing with Andy Rooney, was he would say something to the, you know, like, here's something called Tylenol. Like, Everybody yeah. who's watching this right now, Aside from maybe a few immigrants who just got to the country and just happened to turn on 60 Minutes and was going, oh, Tylenol, okay. <laughs> Tell me more of this Tylenol. <laughs> anyway, I'm digressing. Go ahead. What do you got? Um, just, a, you know, a couple of days ago, right around the time we recorded this for the first time, I was driving over here after work and uh, I saw a banner, on, I believe it was on the Target Center. And uh, I was from Prudential, the financial management people. Uh, the was, Rock. The Rock. Exactly. That's right. Uh, you know, financial. Your financial success is a is a mountain, Eric. Mm-hmm. Prudential's there to help you. Make sure you hit the peak. Uh, but <laughs> that's not a slogan of theirs, is it? Yeah, I'm sure they have something along those lines. <laughs> uh, the uh, so anyway, the banner said. Uh, they say. <clears throat> I don't know who this they is, but mm-hmm. they say one in three one in three people will not retire. They haven't met you, so clearly the the point of the banner is supposed to imply like, hey, if you stick with Prudential, you will retire. It's a backhanded compliment that's not a compliment. In what way? Because they're saying you're a piece of shit and you're one of these. Dick Watts, who's not going to retire? No, well, so their their intent is to say they haven't met you. You you know, one in three don't retire, but they haven't met you. But if you think about it, one in three is thirty three percent. So what they're saying is, you know, two out of three will retire. So while their intent is clearly to say, hey, they haven't met you, you're going to be one of the ones to retire. If so, if they if you say. Hey, the majority of people will retire. They haven't met you. 
See, I I read that as you're one of the three who won't, and Prudential is mind fucking you into saying you, you need gotta us. come talk to us, otherwise you're gonna be one of these dickwads who's gonna be, you know, slaving away, sweeping floors at seventy eight years old. That they one of the ones that they are talking about. Yes. It's although And they, who the fuck is they? That, so perhaps the only thing is that the only qualm I would have with that interpretation, even though it's te- it's technically correct, uh, is then they're kind of saying like they're, the the advertisement will be calling the consumer, you know, oh you you don't know what the fuck you're doing, which no. which is kind of what advertisement they're trying to you know scratch an itch that you don't know you have, but it's it would seem weird for them to be imply to be implying like you're definitely going to be one of the th- one of the ones right that's that's what I'm saying exactly it's, it's like they're they're car- calling you an idiot. You know, it's sort of a backhanded well, compliment without there being a compliment to have, be had. I, I think that in the when because it's funny to think about because this must have gone through multiple <laughs> rounds of revisions. You oh, know, of course, somebody in the marketing department came up with the idea. Just the and, pitch alone is like ah no. But to get to get a banner made, you know, I'm sure there's budgetary approval, leadership approval, make sure it's consistent with the brand. So. I think what the advertiser was intending to say was like, hey, one in three people aren't going to retire. But Make they sure you're not one of them. But they haven't met you being that you're not going to be one of the ones who won't retire. Right. I, th- that's what, I think that's what the intended message. And maybe that's what it originally was, but like somebody's like, eh, too wordy. We need it narrowed down to like five well, no, that was that was the that was the original. So the original thing says uh, they say one in three people won't retire. They haven't met you. So I, there, I think when it was approved and everything, they what they were saying is, hey, there there is this group of people that won't retire, but that won't be you because they have you know they haven't met you. You're going to be one of the good ones. Right. That, so I think that's what the marketing was intending to convey. <laughs> However, if you take it you know logically, one in three people is the minority. So if they're saying, hey, most you know most people are going to retire. But they haven't met you. It kind of then implies that you are going to be one of those people. <laughs> so I, I, I thought it was kind. Of, it, it's just ridiculous to think of how many layers of approval. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, it's confusing. We can't come to an understanding of what it is. This is one of those situations where uh, you know, like fifty things are plopped down on the boss's desk, and they're like, "You got to sign these," and they're like, "I got a fucking, I got a business meeting I got to get to," and then pencil whips all the documents, and then. Boom, it gets out the door and on the target center. It's possible, except there's multiple, multiple rounds of review. Even, you know, from the employee who proposes it, his supervisor has to review it and say, yeah, let's run with this. Let's present this. they got to send a budget. They say, yes, this is something we want to fund. Leadership has to sign off and say, yes, this is, you know, on brand, consistent. It's, again, if nothing else, it's confusing (laughs) at a minimum. Even if it... At a bare minimum. At a bare minimum. So Prudential... Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be a potential advertiser. Exactly. Um, so we don't really have any uh, follow-up thoughts on Oblivion. No, um, there is nothing to be had. No, there. no. It's, we covered it all. Everything you need to know is in that tight 70-minute pod. Um, today, as I said, we're doing Collateral. So I'll just give kind of a very brief synopsis of the movie. And I'll be an asshole and interject periodically. <laughs> so... The basic plot of Collateral is Jamie Foxx is a cabbie in Los Angeles. Uh, very early on, he picks up Halle Berry. 
They kind of establish a rapport. Perhaps there's some flirting. It comes out that she has a big case that she's preparing for. She's a lawyer. And so he, uh, you know, they, they kind of have this flirty, meet cute, back and forth type of situation. She leaves, gives him, uh, gives Fox her number and says like, hey, if you ever need any legal advice or something to that effect, she leaves. It's kind of clear that Fox is upset at himself that he didn't pull the trigger and, and you know, make his intentions known. Uh, and while, while this is happening, Tom Cruise uh, comes in as uh, Vincent, um, and he solicits Fox's services. And both both Barry and Vincent, or sorry, not Halle Berry, Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm probably going to say Halle Berry. You three, are. You're going to say that three or four or more, more times. Over. Jada Pinkett Smith is you the think lawyer. All attractive, light-skinned black women look the same. Well, yeah, all black women. <laughs> I don't know why you would narrow it down to. Um. So, uh. Both, you know, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith kind of uh, can tell that Jamie Foxx, he, he, you know, he's not just some cabbie. He really knows his stuff. Vincent kind of clearly does, too. He, he it seems that he enjoys people who, uh, who excel in any field. And he eventually, he tells uh, Jamie Foxx, oh, by the way, Foxx's name is Max DeRocher, which I feel felt was a very odd name. And uh, Mike specific. Michael Mann directed this. I feel like there's a DeRocher in his life that it's like an inside joke or something. Um, but uh, Cruz, as Vincent, eventually tells him, "Hey, look, I know this is against regulation, but how much money do you make in a typical night?" Fox says about three hundred bucks. He says, "Cruz says, I tell you what, I got to make five stops, and I'm going to spend some time at each one. I'll give you six, or I'll give you five hundred dollars and an extra hundred if you get me to the airport on time." Uh, if you'll take me for all five stops, Fox is initially reluctant, but he eventually agrees when he when he gets the three hundred dollars collateral, as you pointed out in the first version of this pod, mm-hmm. um, and very quickly discovers that Cruz is actually a hitman and he's killing people at each of the five stops. Uh, so the the bulk of the movie is Fox just kind of trying to corral the situation, get away from Cruz, uh, but eventually at the end he realizes that the case that that Jada Pinkett Smith is working. Uh, Cruz has been killing witnesses that were going to testify on behalf of the prosecution, on behalf of Jada Pinkett Smith, and she's actually the last hit. So at, at the very end, Fox uh, alerts her, but of course the cell phone that he stole is dying, and she's, as you can imagine, kind of confused why the cab driver from earlier in the night's calling him. So he ended up having to go there. They don't speak at all during... No throughout the duration of the movie, except for at the very beginning and the very end when he's trying to save her. Right. Roughly 12 hours has passed in that time. And so so Fox eventually has to go to her law office where he dropped her off and save her. Wait, uh, is that accurate? 12 hours is, is supposed to have passed? Um, so, well, so actually probably not even 12 hours. Because no, because when he picks up Jada Smith, she is, it's it's dark out. Is it dark when he picks? Because yes. he's at the gas station, right? I think it's. There's up. no daylight throughout this entire movie. I thought there was. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay. I, I did read something that said uh, that the time is only shown five times throughout the movie, and I think at some point early on, it's like nine o'clock. So it's certainly dark quickly, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And when uh, when he's got the stolen, you know, he just stole a cell phone from a. That's not to say Jada, Jada Smith isn't burning the midnight oil. No, she it. well, she even she sets it up. She says in the in the cab ride, "Well, I'm going to be when she's on the phone. I'm going to be pulling an all nighter too." 
So when when Fox is talking to her on the stolen cell phone, it says like five forty seven. They the might as well have said at that point in the in the movie, like, so we're gonna meet again yeah. <laughs> yeah. at the end of this flick <laughs> after your uh, adventurous night. Yeah, uh, but uh, so Fox has to go there and protect her, and he eventually kills Vincent the Hitman, who up to this point has been shown as nothing short of proficient and deadly. Almost Jason Bourne like in, in, in his in his proficiency of fighting. There's a few hand to hand combats. There's a few uh, quick pulls of the trigger. Correct. Uh, it's very very high precision style killing. Um, so that in a nutshell is Collateral. Um, there's a few scenes that we kind of want to call out specifically. So let me let me sure. first off start in the in the very beginning of the movie. There's a there's a uh, collaboration or uh, uh what's the uh, montage of sorts of of oh, jamie sure. fox's character max picking up people you know and driving them around la and it, and it really man, i drove i drove uber for a bit and uh it reminded me very quickly of the times because i drove a lot of times when there was a lot of like business people it wasn't like the late night bar pickups or anything like that so it was a lot of business professionals to and from airports from the hotel to the downtown so to speak so a lot of times they're either on their cell phone or if they're with someone, they're talking to each other. And they're talking as if I'm not a human being in the car <laughs> with, with functioning ears and Bye, brain. sell. Bye, bye. <laughs> and it's like a lot of talking about backstabbing other employees or business clients or, you know, this guy's a bitch, this guy's an asshole, that type of language. And, you know, it's a small world. And there are times where, like, slips of the tongue happen and, like, Either I may know this person, or this is clearly a violation of like a HIPAA law, or, right. or you know, some, something of that nature where it makes me go like, you you do understand I'm a functional human being, right? Like you know, I'm not a robot here. It's funny because I've noticed in like reality TV, sometimes I'll see people doing kind of doing what you're talking about. Like they'll be in a argument about their relationship just in the back seat. With saying some personal stuff that it's like, do you really want the cabbie to know this? And I kind of always said, well, these are people who have ascribed to me on reality TV. Right. It's probably right. kind of an outlier, but apparently not. That's that's uh, that's true to life, huh? Uh, it is very much so. The only other thing I wanted to point out at the very beginning is they establish uh, Max, Jamie Foxx's character, as kind of a dork of sorts. He's got the wire rim glasses. Right. He's kind of got the... Jamie Foxx can pull off a very handsome guy in movies, and he can also pull off a very big dork. And I, I attribute that back to his like in Living Color days. He played a lot <laughs> of dorky guys on there, right? And there's a there's almost almost a contortion of his face that he makes to make him look more nerdy. You know, right, what, you know right. what I'm talking about? I think it's a lot of mouth work. Right, it's a lot of mouth work, and then the wire rim glasses, and I think he's wearing a hoodie throughout the duration of the movie. And so he's kind of got this kind of frumpy kind of kind of look to him, and I, I it made me realize. And then you know, and then Tom Cruise is in the movie, obviously. It made me realize that Hollywood has two types of handsome guys. They have they have <laughs> like the they're the the handsome guy is categorized as such. Like you have Jamie Foxx, who can be very dorky, and he can also be very attractive in a film. And then you have a guy like Tom Cruise who's just always attractive. There's right. there's never a role that he plays where you're like, this is a fucking dork. Jamie Foxx falls in the category of dorky or attractive. That's true. They kind of give him the male equivalent of she's all that. 
you know, right. where they, it's yeah. like, oh, she's got glasses and her hair is up. Yeah. This is the, I mean, anyone, even in this movie, while he does kind of convey uh, the dorky quality, you yeah. can, you'd still look at him and be like, that guy put in not even that much effort. He'd be a good looking guy. <laughs> He's not that far removed from uh, his turn as Willie Beeman. Right. At, very believable as a professional athlete. Where you would think that if, if there was a scene in the movie where Jamie Foxx would have to take his shirt off, that he would have muscles on top of muscles and an eight pack, you know, like they would just totally take away from the dorky right, right. taxi cab driver. <laughs> right. So it's just like, yeah, let's keep the shirt on. In fact, let's put a hoodie on top of the t shirt. You know? <laughs> well, it, you know, I wish I, I myself have never been to LA because, but in my experience, uh, you know, depending on the specific geographic area, there is a strange uh, homogeneity to the characteristics of whatever is a cab driver. Like in, for example, in mini in you know Minneapolis, St. Paul, if you get a cab driver, it's probably going to be a Somali. Yeah, o- almost always. You, you, out in D.C. area, it's going to be someone of. So not not native to this land for sure, and so Eastern I, European in DC probably European. There's very swarthy whatever they they the cab drivers tend to come from a variety of swarthy climates. I would say Middle Eastern, perhaps uh, some something that ends in Istan. Uh, but but my point, my larger point is, it's just kind of a very you know unique characteristic of the 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 taxi driving pool and i wonder how true to life like is it believable that a black man would be the the cabbie in los angeles i tend to think probably not but i didn't do my research on this uh, i didn't do my you didn't look into demographics the, yeah. of uh, cab drivers in la <laughs> you had one job eric i, did. I told you I told you days in advance <laughs> look up character demographics of los so angeles cabbies i had an easy time finding other Attractive but can play dorky characters. The first ones that came to mind: Matt Damon, who it can be sure. Jason Bourne, or he can play the guy in The Informant. Right. Um, he was also he was also the dorky guy in like the the Oceans movies. If you right. Remember. Right. You know, but he was also J- J- like, can you be more alpha male than Jason Bourne? Right. You know, well, and Damon has kind of the everyman quality, even though he's you know without question. He's clearly an attractive man. He seems kind of like attractive in a way that somebody you know is attractive. Right. Whereas Brad Pitt or someone, you look at and you go, this person is like superhumanly attractive. You know what I mean? Whereas, But Brad Pitt, I also put in this category because he's played some dorky roles as well. Because he does like, he's done right. some comedic work. Right. And as a result, he's kind of a dork. Absolutely. I'm just saying this one quality of Damon's is, it. he kind of, he seems like, that's an attractive guy. Whereas Brad Pitt, you go, oh man, this guy's really good looking. <laughs> right. Whereas Damon, you don't. Know, it's right. kind of like, yeah, he's believably attractive. You know, he is very attractive, but he he seems like you could see the dude at the deli or something. Like right, that. right, right. Um, and then uh, someone else I also throw in that category. Um, uh, the, the guy who played, he's the he's like the guy with the bow and arrow in the Avengers movies. Yeah, he actually also played Born in that all that Born. Movie where it wasn't Matt Damon. Um, um, the fuck is Jeremy? Oh, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner was in this really god awful uh, movie uh, where he played Jeffrey Dahmer. I think it was just called Dahmer. Oh, I, re- I think I remember this. And I never saw it, but you know, very much a dork, right? 
Because Jeffrey Dahmer, I mean, portrayed as, you know, a dorky right, guy. Right, A serial killer, but a dorky guy <laughs> right. outside of being a serial killer. <laughs> Remmer, perhaps best known as uh, the friend in the town. Never saw it. Never saw the town. That's is that movie. is that Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck, yeah. yeah the town, Charlestown, Boston. We're you know, really, we're really derailing. I know, but I got, no, I just got to say a Jeremy Renner from the town line. Then you ain't got to thank me for it, but you ain't fucking leaving. <laughs> Anyone who's seen the town, you know what I'm talking about. Um, um, all right, so yeah, there's that kind of that first scene I mentioned where uh, Jamie Foxx encounters Halle Berry. Some interesting things happen here. He did um, it again, by the way. God damn it! Not Halle Berry, <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith. It's stuck in my head. I put a fucking note in front of yeah, he, you. Yeah, Eric has a notepad. The problem is I have to consult with the note. <laughs> right. uh, it's in my head as Halle Berry. It's over. Um, this isn't, uh, what was that god-awful Travolta movie that she was in? Oh, uh, Swordfish. Yeah, this isn't Go, Swordfish, Jeremy. You know what the claim to, say, claim to fame of Swordfish is, though, right? Halle Berry's tits? Exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they started with. Like, hey, let's put Halle Berry's tits in a movie. Uh, we'll come up with the plot later. <laughs> right. <laughs> um... But yeah, so Jamie Foxx picks up Jada Pinkett Smith. There you go. There we go. Um, there, as I said, there's kind of a rapport uh, being established and flirtation, which, oh, okay, there's a part where Jamie Foxx says something like, oh, intimates that she's a lawyer. And she says, I never said I was a lawyer. How'd you know? And he says, oh, please, you got the pinstripe suit. Uh, it's not flashy enough to be in advertising. And so I think the point of the scene is to kind of show Jamie Foxx, you know, he's not just a good cabbie, but he's very intuitive, blah, blah, blah. But it's an impossible level of intuitive because what he's describing is a woman dressed professionally. Yeah, and it narrows it down to two professions. Yeah, exactly. There's advertising, marketing, and lawyers. Those are the only two that a well-dressed exactly. woman would May pursue. Maybe Max DeRocher is sexist. <laughs> he doesn't. He can't see a CEO mm -hmm. as a female. Uh, a lawyer is pretty, and she's a high-profile lawyer on top. Oh yeah, this is yeah. a big case. Yeah, prosecution though. The defense is where the money's at. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not kid ourselves here. <laughs> uh, also, I mean, so as I said, there's a lot of flirtation. She ends up giving him. She gives him the number, but do you recall? I feel like it was kind of a situation they do in movies a lot, where the character gives the number, and you kind of get the sense that it's for personal reasons, but. It's given under the guise of a professional, like in case you ever need any advice or something. Well, because she's she even says it with like the the flirtatious, not so blatantly fl flirtatious, right? Because she gets out of the cab, he's kind of all, he's kind of settling up, you know, the transaction. But kind of, he seems like he's kind of down on himself because he didn't he didn't do anything to be like, hey, what's right? Your number? He didn't get her number, right? And then she comes back after a few moments pass. Knocks on the window and he's startled, like, oh, you know, rolls it down. Right. And uh, she's like, you know, she does the whole, like, hey, if you ever need a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, And it's yeah. just, like, obviously this yeah. guy's. I mean, the only, the only thing that he would need a lawyer for is for starting his business, but it didn't sound like she would yeah. be too big of a help in that department. She probably doesn't do or like if corporate. He would... Or if he if he uh, lost materials of a hitman and was forced <laughs> and was forced to go pretend to be that hitman and the cops then think he's he's the hitman he may need a lawyer for that but when would that happen uh, about five hours later <laughs> but uh, but yeah it's that it's that type of flirtation that's not really flirtation but like it's it let me 
let me ask you this. Sure. Now that we're in this realm, okay? Mm-hmm. This is the type of, like, in, especially in this day and age, although this movie was made in, what, 2004? Four, so, like, yep. 15 years ago. So, this is a 15-year-old movie, and this is still kind of lives in today's, you know, uh, Me Too era of, sure. of dating, where everyone's kind of walking on eggshells here. Right. Where you... As a guy, and you're talking to an attractive woman, and she's giving you her number, right? And she's doing it in the guise if you ever need a lawyer or whatever, whatever the case may be. Oh, like, oh here's the address yeah. of the restaurant I work at, or here's whatever. It's like just say only use this for this purpose, right? Just be fucking upfront, <laughs> so we don't have to go through this whole rigmarole of like. Does she want to suck my dick? Is that is that in the realm of possibility? Like, just just say it up front. Like, it, be an advocate. Be an ally. <laughs> be an be an ally for guys. Because, ladies, there's still some good guys out there. Just give us the fucking benefit of the doubt. That's all I'm asking. Exactly. Um, by the way, what? Okay. Do you think it's believable that? Ja- I mean, Jamie Foxx is the cab driver. No! I know she's, what you're asking! She's the lawyer. No! He's a fucking 12-year yeah. cab driver. She's a high-profile lawyer. Exactly. The, he, the only way he impressed her is with the guessing of her profession. And then she said, take such and such uh, route to her destination. And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to do this. If I'm wrong, ride's free. In the realm of impressing this high-profile woman, she's surrounded by alpha male's I'm going to assume all fucking day long trying right. to get in her fucking pants. And and she's impressed by a... A, a, a cabbie! A, a cabbie, a cabbie a knowing... Cabbie. A fucking... This, and, and, like, picking the right route. Like, yeah. that's his job. Exactly. Like, would the would, would DeRocher be impressed with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith because she's filed the correct motion? No. And she was kind of like... He should have called her a cunt because... <laughs> in what, what capacity? Because... She was arguing with him. This is his profession. This is his area of expertise. And she's arguing, you know, she's arguing uh, avenues and boulevards with him. No. We're 34 minutes in. I know. We're still on the first scene. (laughs) So let's uh, let's go ahead and skip along here because I I have a lot to dive into. I got one other one other part on the first scene. Um, Oh, can we establish? We have not established. Both of us like this. Oh movie. yeah, this is a great movie. <laughs> we're just shit all over it, but this we both enjoyed this flick. Yes, Michael Mann. You know he's not quite at heat level, Michael Mann, but very very solid. Um, so, uh, what, when we find out that she is in fact a lawyer, she is very nervous. She says that it's kind of her ritual. She gets very nervous before the opening opening statement for the case, which you know it is tomorrow in this world for her. And she says that she uh, she cries and she feels kind of she feels like oh I don't know what I'm doing uh, my evidence isn't strong enough and she gets nervous and she cries she says most people throw up but I cry so she says something to the effect of you know I give I, I, I get through that and then I, I I press on and that's kind of that's part of my process it helps me be a, a good lawyer it reminded me of another 2004. Uh, Entry in the entertainment realm. Lost. Uh, Matthew Fox's Dr. Jack Shepard gives a speech in the first season to Evangeline Lilly's Kate. He says, he talks about how he was giving, you know, when he was a new doctor, he 
he was performing a surgery, a spinal surgery, and he accidentally nicked the spinal, the spinal sac, yeah. and nerve endings are pouring out. And he tell he tells he's relaying the story to Kate, and he says, "I told myself I'd give myself five seconds to be scared, and in that five seconds I was petrified, and then I went back and I fixed up that person, and she walks to this day." So I, I'm just going to go on a limb. I'm going to say that, you know, whoever the screenwriter was, I'll just say it's Michael Mann. Uh, I'm going to say that he was the originator and Lost stole from him. Mm-hmm. No one's going to debate you on that because no. no one gives a fuck. But hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a running theme throughout this movie. Sure. And it's something that... As as enter, it's a very entertaining movie. I it was one where um, a lot of times when I'm watching a movie by myself, I got the phone distracting me. Sure, I got a, you know, you know, there's a bug crawling on the wall, whatever. So there's plenty of things that will distract me from watching a movie by myself. I was I was pretty engaged throughout the whole thing. Sure, but I did discover a running thing that did bother the living shit out of me, and I classified it as a bunch of george w bush plans okay <laughs> sure throughout the movie i've got six different specific parts of the movie where there's no exit strategy <laughs> there the, either jamie fox or tom Cruise is getting themselves in into involved in a situation where it's like what's your exit strategy here you're right they're you're just putting yourself it. into a position where it's like this is only going to go south. <laughs> what, are, what are some examples? Well, okay, so uh, Cruz's first stop, Vincent's first stop, is at an apartment complex and has Fox not not stay on the street but pull off into the and alleyway. And he specifically tells him to go into the back alley. Yes. Yeah. Very, very specifically points him in the direction he wants him to go. Uh, Jamie Fox Max is parked. Uh minding his own business eating his lunch eating remember his he's lunch. got the sandwich that's right that's right that's what he was talking he wasn't on his cell phone because this is kind of not pre-cell phone days but not it was it would be it would not be ridiculous for somebody to not have a cell phone at this point right right uh only to have a body land on on the cab smashing part of the the roof end uh smashing the windshield part of the part of the front end it's chaos. It's it's chaos. And and at this Cruz, point, we don't know that Cruz is the hitman. We just think, what the hell's going on? Right. Right. But quickly, we discover right. that as a result of this, and and also quickly thereafter, we discover Cruz is a very proficient killer, and it's always you know kind of in that chess match mind frame of thinking five moves ahead. Right. Where is this five moves ahead in parking the car in the alleyway and shooting the guy so the guy falls out the window and smashes on right. the cat? It's, I think that they only get away with it here because it's the introduction to him being the hitman. Because literally every other part of the movie, other than when he's killed by Fox, he's so in control. and But he's not like he's... For lack of a better term, he's getting away with murder. Well, he's but he's like proficient at least in killing it seems I, I mean i think this reinforces your point like why would he shoot him in a way that he falls out the window when every other instance we have of him he's he's even in ludicrous situations he's in control right well and so this leads right into the second 
what's the exit strategy for this situation where they get pulled over by the police? Well, can I add one thing yeah, on, the, on the guy falling onto the car? So it, it appears to be four or five story fall, and uh, you know they put him in the trunk. And That's right. Cruz takes a sing. First of all, they show Cruz take a single bottle of How Aquafina. How body? Is my is my other question. I don't know. Maybe well, probably. I guess probably because it'd be more. It'd be easier to just put him in the trunk than to try to take this dead person back into his apartment. Heavy roll the dice, bash windshield in or not, getting pulled over right, by the police. Right. Go ahead. But so Cruz takes a bottle of Aquafina and pours it on the roof, where there's no, there's actually no visible blood. But he says this will have to do. I have a feeling <laughs> if if a human being fell five stories onto a the roof of a cab, there would be a lot, a good amount of blood, and one bottle of Aquafina is maybe not an eyeball, yeah, maybe an eyeball, a shin sticking out somewhere, some bone <laughs> fragments. Uh, yeah. So this this goes right into the next scene where they're driving away and they get pulled over by the police. Two two police officers walk up to the vehicle. Uh, I forget exactly what leads up to. Them asking Jamie Foxx to get out. Oh, it's because the other the other police officer discovers blood on the vehicle that Tom Cruise was not able to wash off with the bottle of Aquafina. Right. Which so is also not visible in that scene. He just says, is this blood? You yeah, can't yeah, actually yeah, see yeah. any blood. Um, <laughs> I remember Max says that he, he had a deer and they're like, a deer? In. And then, he's, yeah, then yeah. he says where in a LA. Deer, a South Central dealer yeah, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. And uh, so they ask him to step out of the vehicle. Uh, he should, by the way, he should have said coyote. They're, they're, there is a scene with a coyote. Exactly. For one, coyotes are no... I've heard stories of coyotes like killing dogs in and around the L.A. area. Yeah. They're so prevalent. And they have a fucking coyote in this movie. Why is he saying deer? <laughs> right. uh, so uh, they asked uh, Max to step out of the vehicle. Vincent... They ask him to get out because they're going to impound the car, and they tell him to pop open the trunk. Yeah, of course. Which at this Which, point, again, it's the like, body is. How in the fuck are they going to get out of this? There's no way they're going to get out of this. Right. And Vincent stops, steps out with the gun pulled like on his side, like away from the vision of the police officer. Right. But it's like, what is what is this plan here? As yeah. soon as they open up the trunk, he's going to shoot both cops? It, now they're up so much shit creek. If, right. If that happens. Well, I, And there's cars whizzing by on the road. I feel like, exactly. I feel like in real life, uh, a cop, the, the second a cop is interacting with anyone, their first thought is, if this person were going to try to kill me, how would I stop it? And but in movies, they're easily overcome. In this later on in this movie, as Jamie Foxx is being arrested, uh, and he learns that Halle Berry is going to be the Jada Pickett Smith is going to be the final <laughs> is going to be the final victim. As he's being handcuffed, he he's able to overpower and uh, handcuff the cop. That happens in movies all the time. Where right. you know, I, I, anyway, carry on. Um. So the, the, the way they get out of it is they get a, a, the cops get a phone call, shots fired, such and such a location. We're led to believe that this is the area that they just came from where Cruz shot the guy and landed on the, the cab. <laughs> so they, that's their only way they escape from this, like, escapeless. Right. Otherwise, they're, they're blowing away two cops in broad, or not broad daylight, but on a but very busy street. On a busy street. Right. So shortly thereafter, uh, 
they go to another location. It's another alleyway, and this time Vincent uh, zip ties Max to the steering wheel. Sure. Now there's a couple different like what's your exit strategy here situations because as soon as as soon as Vincent is out of sight. Max starts beating on the horn, yelling out the window. Trying he's to get in, somebody's attention. He's in an alleyway, but there's lots of pedestrians on the sidewalk down on on the actual street. Right. He's, he's about 30 feet off from the sidewalk, and there's we see droves of people walking by. It's a busy night. Right. <laughs> Lo and behold, it, it, so in my, in, here's the first what's your exit strategy, because like, right. Vincent hears you. What do you do? Right, right. He doesn't. He's off in the building. And then the people that end up hearing him are robbers, are, are thugs. Yeah, so eventually, you and the way it's set up, you see people like take note of him, and you're thinking, oh, cool, Fox is going to get out of this. Right. But, of course, they're terrible people. Right, and, and they got a gun to his head, and he's like, I can't, obviously, my hands are zip-tied. <laughs> right. Uh, I think he he must pull the wallet out of his shirt pocket or something. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. How they get his wallet? But it's, <laughs> essentially, Cruz walks up to the guys who are making their oh, away from the vehicle, and Cruz just lays them out, shoots them. And my other, what's your exit strategy? Because they are surrounded by a residential apartment buildings. In this alleyway, lights are on in other people's uh, homes. Sure. Potential witnesses. It's like as proficient of a killer. Like he's breaking so many fucking rules. In right. This. Well, and the other thing with this, so, you know, as we mentioned, it turns out that the people whose attention is attracted by the horn turn out to, of course, be gangbangers, drug dealers, whatever, right, bad right. people. And this is something that happens in movies all the time, too. Somebody will, the, the, the protagonist will come up with a potential solution. It doesn't work the first time, which I have to imagine, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't go against the willing suspension of disbelief, but it's probably uncommon that if the person to notice you need help is going to take advantage of you. Right. Most of the people are generally good, I think. Yeah. And so, but because that didn't work, in that one instance, it's the, the strategy is thrown out. It would have been perfectly fine to keep <laughs> trying that and be like, what are the odds I'm going to get two groups of people? But it's just right, abandoned. Right, that happens right. in movies all the time. Like, oh, it didn't work out this time. The entire strategy must be thrown out. <laughs> um, so we we are to continue with, this is now my fourth uh, example of what's the exit strategy. It comes to our fruition that uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, Max's mother, is in the hospital. He convinces uh, Vincent to go visit her, his his mother. Um, there's like this uh, immediate uh, emotional connection between Vincent and Max's mother, right. and they're kind of talking shit behind Max's back when he's standing right there. Um, so as this as this newfound love affair is like brewing, this is where Max decides this is how I'm going to make my break for it. Right. He grabs Vincent's briefcase. briefcase, which is full. It has his computer, has all these like the information on the people he's killing, the people that he's killing, and then paper documents, what have you. And he, why he grabs the briefcase? It's like, dude, if you just make a break for it, right? Chances are, it's much more likely that Tom Cruise is going to say, "Oh, I guess I got to get another cabbie 
Right. And, and what if you grab the briefcase, you give him every incentive to follow you. To kill his mother, perhaps? <laughs> He's in the hospital room with his mom. And Fox says, you know what? Fuck her. So make it a run for it. He makes it all the way through to like an overpass on the freeway. And it's one of those overpasses where it's not a road, but it's just a pedestrian overpass where it's got the fenced in uh on either the side, side but the with ceiling the, is open. With the open top. Sure. Uh, this is where we get our uh, head-on shot of the cruise run. So we'll, sure, get, we'll right, get to that here. Right. Um, but uh, so he he stops on the overpass. He's got Cruz in front of him with a gun. Fox decides to chuck the briefcase <laughs> out the top right. onto the freeway. There's visual a semi, of course, a semi running over the computer, running over the briefcase. The papers go fucking everywhere. And it's now just Jamie Foxx, Max, and Vincent on this overpass. What the motherfuck is your exit strategy here? <laughs> there Jamie is Fox, none. For, for Jamie Foxx, well, there and, is none. And also, it shouldn't even got to that point because, as you point out, Cruz has the gun. He's pointing it at Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx then throw like you can see him winding up to throw the yeah. briefcase. Vincent is Tom Cruise has been established as ruthless. He would have shot him in the head right there. Absolutely. It, and then he just would have picked up his briefcase and found another cabbie. <laughs> uh, so then we have that one. Also, it's like I, I, I there's a point in this movie where I was thinking, is Vincent? I mean, he's presented as you know very competent, but is he a bad? Is he a bad uh, assassin? One, the first guy you mentioned, he yeah. shoots him so he falls out the window. Two, he has hard copies of all this stuff that Jamie Foxx is able to steal. <laughs> like, right. your one job is to kill these people. But also leave a, no paper trail. No paper trail. What's going to Like, I mean, Cruz is eventually killed at the end of the movie anyway. But if he hadn't been, somebody's going to find all these papers on the L.A. freeway. It's like, oh, these are all, this is all information on the five people that died last night. <laughs> right. Maybe we should fingerprint this. Right. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of loose ends that he's not taking care of. Um, two more pieces. I'll go through this kind of quickly here because we should be wrapping up and getting into how Tom Cruise of a Tom Cruise movie was this. Um, they, they go into, and this is something we talked about in the first trial run of this episode. This is the classic uh, action movie scene where they go into a nightclub and it's and it's a bunch of shots of like, Hot chicks, you know, dancing. It's kind of like that. There's those angles where it's like down on the ground looking up, and there's, you know, chicks like doing this move where their hair is like kind of tasseled all over. Right, and, right. You know, this is a sexy club. This is a sexy club. Lots of lights, lots of techno um, going on. And it's, and it's Max going through the club. It's Vincent going through the club. Vincent, I believe, has a weapon drawn. Yeah, yeah. As he's going through. And he's beating people. the shit out of people. Like, right starts, next to people dancing, and they're totally oblivious. does he, like, break someone's neck? No, oh, he kills multiple people in the Right, car. and then and then, you know, and then the shots begin to fire, and the music's still going. Oh, is the music still going? I, I believe, believe so, yes. And then the people start to scatter. It's that classic action movie nightclub scene, which right. I think is starting to go away. I think that that scene has been done... So many fucking times right. now at this point. Including by Michael Mann, who did it again in Miami Vice, the movie. Michael Mann is famously the creator of the TV show 
Miami Vice, and then he did the less successful movie with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. And Jamie Foxx. I never saw that movie. Neither but did I. I uh, if I did see it and there wasn't one of those scenes, I'd be like, where's the right. Where's the nightclub yeah. scene? Similar to how Swordfish started with, hey, let's put Halle Berry's tits in a movie. Right. I think Miami Vice started with, hey, we should have a bunch of shootouts in a club. <laughs> um, uh, again, no exit strategy. He's, I mean, there's a bajillion witnesses now at right. this point. Because uh, it's not like he's wearing a ski mask as he's doing all this. Right. Uh, and then finally, the final showdown. There's just there, there's no exit strategy for Jamie Foxx. He's going one-on-one with Vincent, who's been a ruthless killer throughout this whole two-hour flick. Um, right. He's trying to get uh, Jada Pinkett, and it's just him and... And I, there's just there's just no exit strategy. You know, I read something that said because so you know Vincent. Actually, I read something that said he killed 16 people throughout this movie, and five of them I think were in the club scene. So those you can't. <laughs> I mean, they said that they killed him, but all that showed was him kicking ass. Right. Maybe he broke a neck. He did in there fire or something. some shots. Yeah, too. yeah. That's I true. think I think he did blow away a couple guys. Sure, but it, so it said he killed uh, 16 people and. Uh, like the the mugger, the guy who uh, hears Jamie Fox when he's honking his horn and comes, he, you think he's a good Samaritan and ends up being the gangbanger. As you mentioned, Cruz kills him, and whenever he shoots someone, he gives him the double tap to the yeah. chest and shoots him in the head. And somebody pointed out that so they're the final scene. They're in a subway shooting shooting at each other. Uh, Jamie Foxx's Max is just kind of firing wildly because he doesn't. He's not a killer. He doesn't right. doesn't really fire guns. But apparently. Based on where Fox was standing, he was protected. Cruz tried to give him the double tap into the head, and they show indentations uh, in the the subway door uh, that protected uh, ah, Fox from that. So I, th- I thought I that was interesting. Um, but yeah, Jamie Fox ends up shooting uh, uh, Vincent in the abdomen. Max shoots Vincent in the abdomen. Uh, there's a final line that uh, is a callback to an earlier scene in the movie where. Uh, Vincent mentions to Max that you know he hates LA and and there's too many people on the planet and he hates LA because nobody it's uh, the fifth biggest economy in the on, in the world and nobody knows each other's names and uh, he mentions a story that he had read about uh, a guy on the subway who had died and it took six hours for someone to discover him. And Cruz sitting now on the train. Gut shot. Gut shot. And also face shot. He's already been shot in the yeah, face that... at, at the law firm where... I don't even want to get into that. Well, he's just totally <laughs> fine. He takes a shot to the face. It would be as though he stubbed his toe. He's down, <laughs> he's down for a second, and then he just has blood kicked out of face. And it's that slow-mo blood splatter. Right. Uh... Is it a graze? Is that... I don't fucking know. And so he, Vincent's last line is, uh, do you think someone will... What's what's the line? Do you think anyone? He says anyone something like, notice? "I'm dying on the train." You think anyone will notice? Yeah, something and then, then he slumps over and, and Jada and Jamie live happily ever after. <laughs> fuck, fuck like wild rabbits. Yeah, like rabbits. What about Halle Berry? How does she fit in there? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, hope Tom Cruise of the Tom Cruise movie was this journey. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. I want to point out something. Yeah. So I think part of the reason you're saying he doesn't have an exit strategy. I want to set up the way that I viewed these two people, Fox mm-hmm. and Cruz. So Cruz early on at one point, said, for one thing, he's a jazz aficionado. And okay. he says, That's right. he says, you got to improvise, which, you know, jazz is famously an improvisational art form. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I think I think Cruz and Matt, Cruz and Jamie Foxx's Max represent kind of two aspects, two ways to view the world that we probably all, you know, subscribe to to varying degrees. Where, you know, as you pointed out, Cruz kind of hates LA. He says, Oh, the uh, you know, there's so many people here, but nobody really knows each other, which is kind of reminiscent of the movie Crash, known as the to me, for my money, the worst best picture Oscar winner of all time. Where early in the the uh, voiceover of that movie, it says LA is a town of however you know twenty million people or whatever, but we're so we're st- we 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 yearn for contact so much we crash into each other just to notice, which is a terrible line, uh, but it's <laughs> kind of similar to what Cruz is saying here. But so Cruz kind of represents you know the the cold, distant, ra- very rational, doesn't have a lot of time for emotion, mm-hmm. almost misanthropic. Does he at one point when he's talking to Fox, he says. Uh, talking about human beings, he says, "Oh, we're just a speck in the blink of one rock out in you know the middle of nowhere." Nihilistic. Nihilistic. Yeah. And he and he also says that he has to improvise. So he views the world as kind of the natural state is chaos, and he understands that to navigate the world, you're never going to have your ideal situation. You need to improvise like a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jamie Fox, early in the movie, he tells both uh, Jada Pickett Smith. There you go. Yeah, and. Uh, and Tom, Halle Berry, and Halle Berry, and Tom Cruise, <laughs> that uh, he his dream job. He's this taxi thing. It's temporary. Mm-hmm. What he really wants to do is own his own fleet of limousines called Island Limousines, mm-hmm. which is a terrible name. And what he, he says, maybe that's why he's still driving a cab. Exactly. He wants to have a club experience in the limo, where when you get to the airport, Eric, you don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. That's how nice island clubs are. Mm-hmm. And but he, so he's telling you know he's telling everybody, no, this is a temporary job. Meanwhile, he's been doing it for twelve years, mm-hmm. and the reason is he he can't just jump right into the business. He's got to get the right clientele. Right he's got to get the perfect vibe. He's got to get the right vehicles, mm-hmm. the right wheels. He says at one point, which seems Was like it a, wheels or he, tires. Or yeah, tires. <laughs> which like is that really the hangup? No. Uh, so he so. Uh, Cruz is, you know, he's like, by the way, this isn't 12 years. That's not a temporary gig. He's like, you're going to wake up in 20 years and realize you never did it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's kind of egging him on a little bit. Well, I think he's because, because Cruz is the man of action mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, he's the one who says you need to improvise to the world. Whereas Jamie Foxx said he wants to, he wants to wait until the world's perfect for him. He wants the world to improvise to his wants. Yeah. And he's also, you know, as opposed to Cruz, he's very compassionate, uh, even though he may agree that human beings as a whole are insignificant, he still finds significance in the interactions between him and Vince or him and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. That's two in a row. Uh, <laughs> so I think these are kind of the two. In, in a different world, these could be, this could be a fight club situation, a Tyler Durden situation where yeah. it's, it's an internal struggle between which way to operate. Uh, and a friend of the pod, Eric Cox, sent me an email the other day saying that... Uh, he always he felt that throughout the movie, it was very clear that either Cruz or Fox were in control, and so this could be seen as which side in the personal struggle is, is winning out. I'd initially thought maybe Cruz was kind of like the Grim Reaper, right. almost, where he's saying, "Hey, yeah, these people are dying. You don't know these people. People die every day. What's the big deal?" And, uh, and I mean, just sees death as just a natural action. Exactly, yeah. and and you know, if he if the money's right and somebody wants him dead. What does it matter if it's a heart attack in 10 years or the double tap and the headshot from from Vincent? 
Um, all right, so let's dive into uh, how Tom Cruise or Tom Cruise well, movie was. Next. Hold on, let's take a quick break. Oh, are you gonna take a shit or something? All right, we're gonna we've got our first sponsor, Eric, and mm-hmm. it's uh, near and dear to our heart. It's uh, Audacity, which is what we're using to record this on. Mm-hmm. Um, now the software, the software, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know, just for, a fantastic piece I'll, of software. Can't find any flaws with it. What I like most about it, yeah, is please that you, look. You know, it's in the modern world. We know things are going to break. We mm-hmm. know things are never going to function. Uh, you know exactly. Technology is one step forward, two steps back. Exactly. We, but so look, I'm not asking for a product that never screws up. I I'm wouldn't at, either. It's, I know it's, it's not. It's not reasonable. What I'm asking for is a product that when you screw up, I want to get just. It might as well be in Greek. The, the you know, I, I don't want to understand what's going on at all. I just want. I, I just want to see. Oh, you lost all your audio files. Here's, well, here's, you're shit out of luck. Here's a here's a here's a a series of letters and numbers that mean absolutely yep. nothing to you. Yeah, so here's some here's some words like syntax and corrupted that you're not going to need. And so if you and codes and 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 uh, special characters. If and, you think you know what that thing I just did for an hour that was so fun, I want to do it again. <laughs> Get Audacity. You'll be doing you'll be doing uh, double dip pods in no time. Audacity.com. <laughs> All right. Finally, we can get into uh, how Tom Cruise of Tom Cruise movie was this. So we're going to uh, we're going to add a category. Ooh. We're going to hang on to a specific category where that we're going to ditch moving forward. And the only reason we're hanging on to it is because. Tom Cruise is a silver fox in this flick. Oh, yes, he is. The hair, we were starting to discover that the hair was going to kind of continue, be this continuous battle of mm-hmm. like, hey, it's the same do as the last flick. This It's an organic process mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to air as human or audacity to forgive the vine. <laughs> We're we're you know we're we're constantly tweaking right this, to make sure that this is the twerking. scientifically we're we're tweaking and twerking over here people to make sure we're giving you the most scientifically twerking right now I gotta yeah. fucking take a shit <laughs> uh, but yeah so we're updating it you know week to week you never know what you're gonna get so we're gonna we're gonna hang on to the hair category just for this time um, sure Tom Cruise is a silver fox and he's got uh, a little bit of uh, facial scruff. He doesn't have fuzz. a full-on beard, right? And it's not a five o'clock shadow. It's kind of an in-between. Yeah, yeah. It's something that he definitely he's waited. He's skipped a couple rounds of shaving, but it's not it's not James Harden. And it's a salt and pepper. Yeah, more salt and pepper. More salt and pepper. Uh, to go along with the salty uh, frontal. In terms of the topple. actual styling, topple. <laughs> In terms of the actual styling, you know, other than the peach fuzz beard that you mentioned, yeah. The hair on top of the head is pretty much standard cruise, except it's Minus, got it's yeah. got a lot of the gray hair. A touch of gray. A touch of gray, if you will. Grateful, also, Grateful Dead should write a song about it. <laughs> also another potential sponsor. All right. <laughs> uh, so with that alone, I kind of went a little bit higher. I'm thinking you were thinking a little bit lower on the hair. I was going to say in the... Th- three realm okay. because it does have the standard the, the actual styling of it is the same but tom cruise is just so closely associated with the dark the dark hair mm-hmm. and then you add in the 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 peach fuzz beard mm-hmm. i was going pretty low i was saying three yeah i was thinking six just because it's it's it was um not the standard do especially with the color and the and the facial hair 
but we'll compromise. We'll go with a four. There now, you go. what we're adding on here. A new category. A new category that we should have had all along. Right. Is the Tom Cruise run. Right. Which is probably going to never dip below a six. Because he does <laughs> right. it he does in every movie. Um, and he does this, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, when he's chasing Jamie Foxx through the hospital. They do the straight-on shot of... And it's the... Um, how I describe it as, like, the... So, <laughs> if, if you ever took a look at me, you'd think I'm a fucking liar. But I ran track in high school, right? <laughs> and uh, I remember, like, the proper form for running was kind of just straight up and down. Your your toes are the only things that are touching the ground. Your heels, sure. the bottoms of your feet are never touching. So you can get kind of more of a... Uh, more steps in, I guess. And more sure. of a... Less, like, plotting. Anyway. That's how the gazelles do it. <laughs> And Tom Cruise, I don't, I, I never see his feet, but he's kind of almost like doing this fast gyrating with the upper torso. Oh, his his arms are pumping like overtime. That's right, what, you know. Uh, he's got like uh, some head movement. It's it's a lot of more effort than that needs to be. Right. And uh, but he, he he does it nonetheless in this and. Uh, I think we're I think we're kind of on the same page here. This is at least a seven. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't all the way Tom Cruise run, but he does it. It's in there. It's visual. I, I think, and you know, we may never do the firm because, as I mentioned, it was done in the Simmons rewatchables recently. Yeah. In the firm, I think he has a, probably like the a ten o'clock a ten yeah. on the run scale. And you know, as I think about it, Days of Thunder it ends on a freeze frame of Cruise and Harry Robert Duvall running. <laughs> Uh, so that'd be a pretty high scoring one as well. Um, yeah. Uh, overacting. This is something that either, neither one of us no. really discovered. We thought he was pretty, it was a little more, keel. yeah, it was, he was pretty subdued. Uh, part of his character. He's, yeah. He was a calm, in the face of chaos. He's the calm. Right. Uh, we have two. a two just, um, kind of, we don't want to go all the way down the one cause I, there must have been something that we just thought that was like, okay, here's a, here's a glimpse, at least, of the overacting. I can't remember uh, specifically. Oh, yeah, we did, but I, I don't recall either. I don't but. recall a smirk. Thanks, Audacity. Thanks, nope. you fucking fuckers. No smirks that I recall either. No smirk either. To, to mention whatsoever, so a, a solid one on that from the two of us. The music, member. the music category is the one that kind of fluffs people up here. Right. The better the music, the lower the score. Right. And I thought this had some good musical numbers. It had The Seed by The Roots, very briefly at the beginning. Um, and was that, do we ever determine, was it Audio Slave or Sound Guy? It was Audio. Um, we never pinpointed, but it was definitely Chris Cornell. It sounded more like Audio Slave than any of the other bands. Sure. And that was when, that was in the Coyote scene. Where uh, I don't That's remember, right. I don't even remember what's happening in the movie, but I don't remember they they there there's I think they're at like a Some gas station or something, of and the, there's a coyote just kind of uh, months mum, mumbling around, yeah, like rambling, around, rambling the, around the the streets, and you know. And, coyotes are predatory animals. I I felt like they're trying to make some conclusion between or some uh, correlation between the coyote and Cruz as Vincent, but mm-hmm. never never clearly established. But the music was good, so it's going to mean a lower score. We went three on three? that. Three? Yeah. That sounds about right. Okay, so this is the one I think that had some leeway, and that was the cocksureness, because there's definitely cocksureness in that Cruz... He knows he's good. He knows he's good, 
But there wasn't that Tom Cruise cocksureness. Right. It was more of like the proficient killer cocksureness. Right. The Cruise cocksureness is kind of like the the kid who gets caught with his hand in the candy jar, but he knows he's going to get away with it. He's like, hey, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm I'm a little, I'm basically good, but a little naughty. Whereas in this, he's just like, no, I'm I'm a trained professional killer. Right. Uh, I will fuck you up. It's not like the... The playful, mm-hmm. you know, playful mm-hmm. devil may care cruise cocksureness. So we went low on this one. We went with a two. So we had a, a then now a, a tally of six out of 60 potential with the added category here. Sure. We got maybe our lowest uh, gotta ratio. Got to be. 19 out of 60. So under, under 33%. That's yes. roughly the percentage of people. That will not retire. <laughs> right. All comes back to Prudential. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a rock. Like <laughs> nothing ever got to me. No, that was Chevy. That's true. Yeah, but Prudential. Uh, I think they is call the it, rock. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't they call. Welcome to the rock. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> you kind of look like Sean Connery. Yeah. But, uh, you need to get I that also... Scottish accent going. <laughs> Scottish brogue. Scottish brogue. The brogue. Um. What do you else? What else do you got? I got. Oh, I got nothing. I else got some here. minor things. Um. By the way, oh, one. There's just a lot of that guys in this movie. We have uh Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, who, which we mentioned a lot more in the first recording. Right. Right. Uh. But Mark Ruffalo played a cop. His his partner Peter Berg, another uh, that guy. He's in uh, very bad things and other. St- I think he might be in Friday Night Lights too, or either that or he directed it or something. Um. But they play. Uh, police, the partners who are trying to to uh, figure out who's killing all these people. Uh, Eric mentioned the the scene up front with all the people in the cab just talking as though the cabbie's not there. Debbie Mazar, who's probably best known as I think Vince's publicist in Entourage. She's got a very uh, I think I believe she is Jewish. Uh, she has a very very Jewish look about her, very Hebe look. Mm-hmm. Big tits. No, uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't really see her as a sexual. She's not unattractive, but I don't really think of her as a sexual being. <laughs> um, you don't. Oh, Javier Bardem mm-hmm. as Max, who's kind of he's the person who's giving as Max, or is that Felix? Okay. Sorry, there you have Max. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Fox is back. Um, Felix is the person who Halle Berry is Max, <laughs> who Halle Berry, aka Jada Pinkett Smith, <laughs> is. She's she, her case is against Felix. And Felix is the one who gave uh, Tom Cruise as Vince the uh, the documents for the people to, to kill. Um, let's see. Was there anyone? Oh, of course. Uh, at the very beginning, there's a scene in an airport where to get the briefcase that contains all the information on the people he's killing, Tom Cruise bumps into somebody. And they do that classic movie scene where two people bump to each other at the airport where they intentionally do it. And then they each pick up the other's bag. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a transfer that wouldn't look suspicious to other people. But the person he bumps into is Jason Statham. Who's in only that scene throughout the duration of exactly. the entire movie. And when I saw that opening scene, I'm like, oh, okay, obviously this is a... He's going to have a bigger role. Yeah, and it's not even, not even like a cameo because he oh. probably wasn't anything. He probably just wasn't well-known at the time. Right, right. Um, so anyway, a lot of, lot of that, a lot of that, guys. Um, one thing I learned in doing research was... Uh, a lot of people did something actors do all the time, uh, which is they prep for the role, but 
It's always in way. It's always they always prep for things that they don't really need. So completely unnecessary. For example, as I mentioned, Mark Ruffalo, who looks vaguely as as Eric Cox mentioned in that same email, he looks vaguely Italian, vaguely Hispanic. He can't. I'm going to go Hispanic just because it's L.A. In this movie, that is, uh, he plays a cop and Ruffalino. Ruffalino. Hey, I'm Ruffalino. <laughs> uh, I put the put the the. Ask the the accent over the end to make it Mexican <laughs> and Italian. Uh, he plays a cop, and it, it, so it, on IMDb in the trivia section, it says although he never uses his weapon, he took extensive firearms training for this movie. Don't you feel like that was like probably something that he may have gotten some like uh, um, what's that money they that you use per diem a, per diem. You know, and then went and shot guns while you had you know, to, at time well, to do so. I feel like people, actors, when they prep for roles, it's kind of like if you're at work and you get like, oh, there's two-week training in Las Vegas. Like, right, better, right. better take this. Because right. it also said that um, uh, Michael Mann, you know, he wanted Vince, Tom Cruise, to be kind of uh, somebody who was comfortable moving in and out of the scene uh, and remaining anonymous to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So he had him serve as a FedEx delivery man for a few weeks. Makes zero fucking So that sense. Tom Cruise could get used to being anonymous or something. But I have to imagine, unless there was like heavy use of prosthetics, every delivery went like this. Hey, Tom Cruise, why the fuck are you delivering for FedEx? <laughs> right. Like there's no way he could avoid that. Right. It also says Michael Mann took... Uh, he took... A firearms training because he wanted to know how to shoot uh, firearms, which seems like BS. Don't you think since he was the creator of Miami Vice all those years ago that there would have been some kind of extensive uh, training previously? You would certainly think so. Having your phone there. I don't know. It's not unlocking. Um, oh, one other thing I wanted to point out. So one of the five people that he kills... Jones is, just periodically looks at his phone and plays a game while we're... While no, we're I'm looking at notes. This is, a, this is an official... This is like homework. Um, one of the people he kills is in a jazz club. So... To, and and Cruz present, presents this to Jamie Foxx. like, hey, you know what? We're, we're ahead of schedule. Let's, uh, let's go grab a drink. And they go to a jazz club because Tom Cruise is a jazz... Or Vincent is a jazz aficionado. And... Uh, he, said, he says that once they get in the jazz club, uh, he's having a drink with Jamie Foxx, and he says to the waitress, hey, this guy on harmonica, he's incredible. Send him over. I'd like to have a drink with him after he's set. So then it cuts to that scene, and uh, we learn that the guy playing harmonica, kind of he owns the jazz club, and uh, Cruz, he says something. He's talking to him kind of just, oh, I loved it. You know, it was great, kind of as a fawning fan. And he says something like, oh, well, our friend's in Cartagena, Am I saying that right, Eric? Cartagena. Cartagena. They would love to know about this. And the so the jazz musician's face sinks, and he knows that Cruz is there to kill him. And he said he he says something like, uh, uh, he's like, hey, you gotta you know give me give me some option to get out of this. And Cruz eventually decides that he'll ask him a question about Miles Davis, and if he if the guy gets it right, he'll let him live. If he gets it wrong, he's gonna kill him. Uh, and before we get into that question. The, the reason that he asks about Miles Davis is because the the harmonica player who owns the club he t- he says that Miles Davis played there some twenty years ago, and uh, tells a story of a that he says Miles was just cool man, and he tells a story of a couple 
there was a couple in the front row who, after Miles was done playing, the guy came up and like asked for an autograph or asked for a picture or something, and he quotes Miles as saying to him, "Get the fuck out of my face, you jive motherfucker, and take your silly bitch with you," <laughs> which I just thought was a funny line. Silly bitch, take your silly bitch with you. That's that's a really dismissive line. Anyway, he. Uh, I'm going to say that before I die. Exactly. In the right context. You jive, motherfucker. Yeah. Take your silly bitch with you. Uh, Hopefully to my mom on her deathbed. <laughs> mom, I love you, but you are one jive, motherfucker. Take that silly bitch with you. Uh, so he asked a question, How? where did Miles learn music? And the guy, so the guy, that's Cruz's question to the, the club owner that, you know, for the stakes are his life. And he said, the club owner says, I know everything there is to know about Miles Davis. He was born and raised in East St. Louis. His father worked in agriculture. And he, he saved up money to send him to Juilliard. And there's barely a beat after he says Juilliard, and Vince just shoots him, kills him. And Jamie, Jamie Foxx is kind of like, oh, my God, what, what? And he's like, he says he dropped out of, he tells Jamie Foxx, he dropped out of Juilliard after a year. That's when he met Charlie Parker. And that's where he learned music. But I don't. I feel like once Cruz heard the East St. Louis and he heard him say, "Oh, Miles' dad was in agriculture." I think he realized oh, this guy's definitely going to know that he met Charlie <laughs> Parker because yeah. all he says Those is are some finer details in the beginning. Yeah. So the guy just says, "Then he 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 went to Juilliard, and it's oh, not dad. like he, it's not like he stops and is like crosses his arms like, ha, that's the end of my answer.' Yeah. He just says he went to Juilliard. Boom, he shot. So I think Vince." Said, "Fuck, he knows his dad was in agriculture. He's <laughs> definitely. I'm just gonna shoot him. as soon as he takes a breath to take a breath. I'm gonna shoot him." Uh, also, after that scene, Jamie Foxx pleads to be led away, and he says, "Hey, I'm just collateral anyway." So, name of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that might be it. I don't know. Do you have anything else on I got collateral? Else. Yeah, that's uh, all I got. Well, let me take. A, oh, my phone unlocked. Let me take a quick look at my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, Play a game so, oh, it says here her name is Jada Pinkett Smith, not, oh. not Halle Berry. Um, oh, I also read uh, that in an early script, Tom Cruise's name was going to be Vince Collateral. What? <laughs> That's what it said on IMDb. I feel like that might be one of the... I think anybody can post anything, so I'm, yeah. that one might not be true. That would be a... Collateral is not a last name. Or his middle name was Collateral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your middle name's Collateral. Yeah, that's Vince Collateral, assassin. <laughs> Your last name is assassin? Yeah. Um, all right, I think that's all we got. Next week we're going to be doing War of the Worlds. Pods of Thunder. Pods of Thunder.